Welcome back to the Behind the Well Show. I'm your host, Roger Abel, in studio with Elias Randall. Elias, what's going on today? Another day, another dollar for me, Roger. I'm getting ready to go to Disney tomorrow. So, Sounds uh, fun. I, I talked to Molly. Busy. Yeah, I'm probably going to need a vacation from the vacation when I get back. Yeah, there's no relaxing at Disney World. I know that from experience. Yeah, how many so. times have you actually been there? Well, so my grandparents, when they uh, retired, they moved to Central Florida. So I've probably been half a dozen times. I went a bunch as a kid. And then um, my my dad, so my kids' grandparents have already taken my oldest once. So I'm sure I've been there six or seven times. So what I'm I'm curious about, which one of my daughters is going to be the fearless one? I have a feeling my three-and-a-half-year-old is going to be more adventurous than my six-and-a-half-year-old. Adventurous about what, meeting the characters and rides? I, I rides. think my three-and-a-half-year-old will have no fear, and my six-and-a-half-year-old is going to get up there, and she's going to have to use the chicken line. No. I think so. No. She can only go on the small rides anyway. What? Uh, Blake can go on all the rides. She's tall enough to go on anything. Yeah, London's huh. 41 inches. London's almost tall enough to go on everything. There's only like two or three rides London isn't tall enough to go on. But Blake's, wow. well, I mean, she's like five feet. So she, I think she can go on about everything. Wow. Well, good for her. That'll be fun. Hopefully not too scary for her. I don't really like rides that well. No, roller coasters are painful when you get old. I'm the, hoping. I'm hoping they just want to do like a lazy river or something, you know. Well, the rides that are fun, so if you can do the, like, virtual reality rides where you, like, sit in a basically a car-type seat and they make you feel like you're moving because of the visual effects on the screen, those rides are fun because, it, you know, a roller coaster, if you go turn too fast on a roller coaster and your neck jerks you out, yeah. Yeah, well, when you're old like we are now, that hurts. Or and like then it hurts for the rest of the day where when you're 16, you go on those roller coasters and it doesn't hurt at all. Or like your three-year-old who can't anticipate which way her neck's going to go. Yeah, and then bangs her head on yeah. the side of the thing. We've taken London on like several small little roller coasters and she loves to go on them. But we have to, I have to like hold her so she's not banging her head into the side of the little roller coaster. So are you going to meet Mickey Mouse and Minnie Mouse? I've been extremely uninvolved in this entire process, which is not like me. Like usually I'm kind of in there helping make decisions, but I've made zero decisions. All I know is we're doing something called bippity boppity boo. And it's apparently where the girls go get a dress from a princess and they do their hair and their nails and makeup. And then they have dinner with the princesses. So I think that's supposed to be like the highlight of what we're doing. Yeah, so a good move that it seems like it works if there's really characters you want to meet, which there's a lot of characters that are easy to meet, but Mickey Mouse, right, that line's always really long. But if you go to Mickey Mouse during one of the parades, the line's usually a lot shorter, and you can actually get in to see him. That's a good tip. Because everyone's at the parade. So I was reading the outline today, and I I thought it'd be a good time to talk about this, and I'm glad Molly put this together, but it's – it talks about how college students have unrealistic expectations about what the outlook is after they graduate college. But I think in general, if you think about what's happened the last two to three years, 
many people have set unrealistic expectations, whether it's the stock market, their house value. I mean, we're just at this place where people, I believe, have unrealistic expectations about what's going to happen in the future. And I just think the expectation that everything always goes up forever comes to an end. Look, look at the housing market. Everybody thought their house was worth 40% more than they paid a year ago. What part of that scenario is realistic? It may have been for a short period of time, but now I just read an article yesterday that there's literally real estate agents now work in the gig economy because there's no money to be made selling real estate. How many people came into real estate the last 24 to 36 months? I, I don't know. What are your thoughts on unrealistic expectations that people have set for what's going to happen in the future? Well, okay. A few, I have a few and I'm going to start with one. I think we all, part of the problem is we all became too rich on paper, right? Everyone's stock portfolios were the highest value ever. Everyone's home was the highest value ever. And not only that, but it's also kind of a question of, is that sustainable? So real estate. So when the real estate market goes up 25% or 30% in one year, that's not a sustainable way to live. We can't have home values going up 25% every year and then people can afford homes. It doesn't work that way. And so at some point, you know, I think we kept just from a bigger picture, we probably kept interest rates too low for too long. And that led to some of these things. And then as far as the unrealistic expectations, well, there's always going to be someone presenting the shiny little bullet that can get you rich with doing minimal work. And that's not real. That's not realistic. Anyone, there's a few avenues to build wealth. You can have a career and make an income and save your money. In addition to saving and investing, you could maybe buy some real estate if you're equipped to do that. If you have the skills and the knowledge to do it, you could start your own business. All of those paths involve working and working hard. So to me, there's no, you know, there's no get rich quick scheme. You can go buy lottery tickets. You know, when I get so, when the lottery gets over a billion dollars, do I go buy a ticket? Yeah. Would I love to win the lottery and have a billion dollars? Yes, I would. That's Is the, that going to happen for me? No. No, lottery that's literally the go broke slowly scheme. You're never going to win the lottery. Right. Like you're not going to win. Yeah. We know people who've won. I mean, we do. We know people in this, you know, people that are office, know people who've won the lottery. How many people listening to the show actually know somebody who's won the lottery and they think their odds are good. It's not good. The odds are terrible. So unrealistic expectations. I don't want anybody to think that, I believe housing prices are going to crash or anything significantly bad is going to happen. I don't know. But you mentioned we shouldn't expect that a house goes up 25 or 30 percent a year in value, which that doesn't make sense. But what could happen is you have. I guess let me back up. You have to get to an average at some point. You know, when we talk about, well, your home appreciates a five or six percent a year. Well, it doesn't go up five or six percent per year. That's on average, which means one year it goes up 25. And then for four years, maybe it doesn't go up at all. So what that means is maybe you still have this equity on paper that you haven't cashed in yet. 
that equity just might not increase the next three to five years as rapidly as it did the last three to five years. Could the stock market stay in neutral for three to five years? Yeah. Could it not go up for, could it go up 15% one year and down seven the next and kind of be flat? Sure it could. That's how we get to an average. But if you look back going into this year, the 10 year average return of the S&P 500, I wanna say it was something like 14%. Well, if the historical average is 10, how are you going to get back to 10? We you have, have to have, have a negative mute, year. Yeah, muted returns for a little bit. And I think Less or, or flat. people need to really evaluate how you're setting your expectations. You know, it's kind of like, um, you know, people tell me they're going to make earn 12% a year interest on their investments because, you know, this mutual fund has returned 12% over the last 30 years. And then they go into a calculator and they say, well, how much money do I need to save to get to a million dollars? And they use the interest rate at 12%. And that they're never going to get to a million. And here's why. You don't make 12% every year. A static 12% return has no variance associated with it. So when we tell people, hey, how much, what in these calculators that I go online and use, right? You go to a savings calculator on Google. What interest rate should I earn? What, what, or what interest rate should I use? Use six or seven. Use half of what you think you're going to average. We're accounting for variance then. We're setting the expectation low, so we're not disappointed. I've talked in this show many times about expectations for family, family trips. My expectation for this upcoming trip to Disney is very low. And then negative. I can't be disappointed. You, you have a negative attitude about it. No, no, I'm not negative. Being I'm just, realistic. I'm kidding. I, I don't want to go in and say, man, this is going to be the greatest trip. The girls are going to love this. I'm expecting after like 42 minutes, my girls aren't going to want to walk anymore. So we got a double stroller. I know they're not going to want to walk. Good move. That's a good move. I mean, there's just all these things like we're scheduling dinners. I go, yeah, that, that probably we shouldn't do that. They don't want to sit down and eat dinner. Kids, There's food no. everywhere. Like, so the expectation is they don't want to sit down and eat dinner. We're setting this low expectation. You can do the same thing financially instead of trying to set the rosy picture so you can contribute the least because that's really what people are doing. They want to put the 12% rate of return in there so that they can figure out what's the least I have to contribute. Yeah. The least I can save, right? The least I can save and have this hope that I get to this goal. Well, why hope? Why not put some level of certainty behind it? And, you know, honestly, that's why we work off of a financial plan that uses multiple Monte Carlo simulations to get to the point where we can tell somebody how much we really truthfully believe they need to be saving to hit their goal. Yes. And so a friend of mine, since we're, you know, in the uh, friend of mine works in the mortgage business and real estate. So I was asking him about just the state of their business, what's going on. Well, it's pretty standard. Everyone in the mortgage industry right now is year over year, they're down like 50% on business that they're doing. So he's been walking people through an exercise, the folks he works with and even people in his own company uh, on a spreadsheet where he shows the value of homes. And then he looks back to like, when people our parents age were purchasing their first home and he runs a present value feature on a spreadsheet and he says see this is normal we're actually just the price of a starter home 
has appreciated this much. And actually, if it was 150,000 in this market 30 years ago, this should be the price of it today. So we're right where we need to be. Now, obviously interest rates coming down would, uh, would be in their favor, but also historically, even with rates, you look what's happening. They're just reverting back to the mean, getting to a more normal level. Yeah, we've been at a very abnormal level with interest rates for a long time. I mean, basically, almost zero. You know, I, I always talk about the first time I got my first mortgage loan was 2002, 2003, 2002, one of those years. Uh, but I think about it, and I got a rate of like 5.25 or 5.7. At that time, that was just like, wow, that was such a great rate. Well, up until this year, if you told someone they were going to have a 5.75% interest rate, and it was on an adjustable rate mortgage, they'd have laughed at you. Yeah. They'd be happy to get it today. But so what, this article I ran across that I thought would be good to talk about because of unrealistic expectations are, it kind of coincides with the whole student loans and how much debt college graduates have racked up. And part of the reason they've racked up all of this debt is that they have unrealistic expectations of what this college degree is going to get them in the future. So I think let's just kind of level set what the current state of a college graduate is. Um, seven in 10 college seniors are finishing their degrees with loans. The average balance is 30,600. Okay. The average starting salary for this year's graduating class is going to be around $50,000. That's from the National Association of College Employers. But what did people think they were going to earn? How much did these students think they were going to earn when they went to college? Because I think there's a lot of people that if you said, hey, you're going to go 30 plus thousand dollars in debt to make 50,000, they might walk the other way. Well, yeah, people might, but that's not the expectation. They're apparently, according to this article, people expect to earn $103,000 in their first job after graduating. That's unrealistic. You know what they haven't done? They haven't went to their parents and asked how much money they earn. This isn't 103000 as household income. This is 103000 as an individual person. There's right. very few jobs out there that started 150 or 103,000. And then I want to revert back to what degree did you get to get to this $103,000 number? Cause what I'm going to do is I'm going to list off like eight different degrees you could get and what the starting salary is. So here's what I think is interesting about this business, this list computer sciences is the highest paying projected salary out of college, 75,900. 15 years ago, if we looked at what was at the top, it was probably engineering, banking, finance. So number one, computer science, 75,000. Engineering, 74,000. Math and science is 66. Social science is 61. Business, 60. Agriculture, natural resources, 57, communications, 55, and humanities, 50. That's nationwide average starting salary. Yet, our college graduates believe that they're going to make 103000 their first year. How do we even get to that? How, how do they come to that 
summation. Did somebody tell them that? No. At the school where they sold that bill of goods? Well, here's why. I know people. They've told me. They're getting especially advanced degrees. Pharmaceutical degrees. I'm going to make 150000 How? I don't, I don't know. know. Like, I, I don't just, know how. But that's why I say to them, how? Like, if you did you do research on what the starting salary is? Here's what's more mind-boggling. After 10 years, they expect to be making $200,000. That is, that's actually, to me, that number is more of the mind-boggling number because there are a lot of careers that, you will you'll never have the opportunity to make two hundred thousand dollars a year. Most careers you won't have that opportunity. Right, most. Unless you're getting an advanced degree, you're in some type of upper management. How are you going to get there? That's a good question. And that's what college kids need to ask themselves. You know, what am I going for? What's my expectation? Can I hit that goal? What's realistic? Um. I think something else that kind of feeds in into this is a lot of social media. There's a lot of people marketing and doing things on social media, and it's easy to make making money look easy. You know, if you have a camera and a toy or two and some fancy stuff going on, you can portray this image that you're making all this money off of doing whatever it is, whether you are or you are not. And I think something I've noticed with unrealistic expectations, and this is, you know, some family members of mine and people I know that have graduated and come into the workforce, I do think that their ideas are in line with this. And then just starting to ask questions about, well, how is that possible? What are you going to do? Um, you know, if you're going to make a good salary, there's a certain amount of value you have to be able to provide. So I think for college, if you're a college student or a younger person listening to this, I would try and get to the mindset of how do you, okay, you're going to start somewhere, right? You're going to start at the beginning salary, whatever is appropriate for the market you work in. So then the question should really just be, how do I become more valuable? And are you working in a career that you like, that challenges you, that you're doing all the things you want to do? And then maybe try and figure out what are the what's the top salary in the company you work at? And what is that person's job? And then maybe the question is, okay, what can I do today to start working towards that in the future? But that's going to be the answer to your question on how much money you can make. And I'll tell you this, if, if you work for a company and the owner is making $200,000 a year, you're not going to make that. Or if the person that they trust the most to run the company, like that money's not on the table for you to make that at any point. But there is something that you could do to provide value and make some salary that's higher than what you're making today in the future. No, I think that is a really good point. If you survey the people and find out what the top salary is, you know where you're going to go. Yes, and most in of this twenty years, that salary is going to be in line with how that salary has inflated. It's not going to be okay to if I want to be the sales manager of this company. The person doing it today is making one hundred and fifty thousand. Well, that's not going to be eight hundred thousand in fifteen or twenty years to have that same position. Exactly. Here's what's fascinating about this 
this survey, only 48% of the people thought college was worth the debt. 40% flat out said they regretted attending college. That's a How strong many? statement. Did you say 14? How 40, many percent? 40%, 40% regret attending college. So let's think about this. They regret spending the money to have a big party. It means oh, yeah. the money wasn't worth it and the party wasn't worth it. I mean, there's a certain amount of people that say, yeah, it wasn't worth what I spent. I wish I wouldn't have gone to college because of the degree, but man, I had a great time. This means 40% of the people didn't even have a good time at college. Elias, so... Clearly, a lot of people, I think, are upset about how much money they spent to go to college and the debt that they have. But for a lot of people, that's not really where the debt's going to end because debt's one of those things that's just a little bit of a vicious cycle. Once you're in, it's hard to get out of it because if you were going to get out of it, you could get out. So it kind of leads me to the next step of that debt for most college graduates. They get a credit card. And I think this time of year is important to figure out how to keep yourself out of credit card debt. Cause it's easy to get sucked into, man, I have to go get these great gifts for everybody. Otherwise I'll be disappointed. And we came up with a list of ways that we could help people stay out of debt over the holiday season, particularly out of credit card debt. And someone I was talking to the other day, who was it? I don't remember who it was, but they were commenting on how much interest rates were on credit cards now. You know, for a long time, your variable rate credit card might have been 12 or 13 or 15%. That wasn't high enough to not high enough to get people's attention. Some of these, okay, store only credit cards. So these are the ones where you walk into Shields and they say, hey, do you want $80 to sign up for the Shields card today, right? We'll give you $80 free. Those stores are now charging, on average, 28.22%. 28%. So that's Gap, Shields, Bass Pro, 28%. The maximum APRs of a lot of those cards are north of 30%. So, over the holidays, be very mindful not to get sucked in. I think this is my number one tip. Don't get sucked in by... We're going to give you a free credit card offer and give you $20 or $50 or hundred off today. So you're saying when I go out shopping and they offer me a free like to go coffee mug no. to sign up for the credit card, I shouldn't do it. Okay. I want people to think about this. Cause Let's if they say, offer it to me, I'm going to want that free coffee so I, mug. I was at Shields the other day. We were getting clothes for the girls to get ready to go to this trip. I want to say the bill is like 425 bucks. They said, well, you could save $80 today. $80. Okay. That's pretty tempting, right? Your bill's 400. You save 80. Like it's like 20%. That's nice. I said, no, don't need it. What they know is that $400 you put in that credit card. It's going to sit there. They're going to make for a year idiot. and they're going to at 30%. only has to sit there a little bit of time yeah. and they know you're more likely to use it. And I didn't ask the question, but my guess is it wasn't $80 off my bill. It was probably an $80 gift card. So you'd have to go back and spend the gift card plus buy more stuff. And then what would you do? Because now you have this credit card and you're getting points. You then put the points in the credit card. So my number one tip this holiday season for staying out of credit card debt is when they ask you if you need a new credit card, the answer should be no. 
even if they offer a free to go coffee mug, you should just say no. I turn. Is that what you're saying? It's not free money. Just remember, you're paying about a third of it. You're paying a third, not a third. You're paying 25% in interest. The other ones we've talked about all the time are the teaser rates. You know, Best Buy is notorious for this. We'll give you 12 months, no interest. Well, guess what? If you don't pay the credit card off in time in 12 months, all the interest you saved accrues back and it's accruing at 25% or more. Right. If, if it's not paid off by the end of the promotion, you get charged interest back on that on that balance. I found this out the, the hard beginning. way. Never forget, we, my wife and I moved into our new house. And uh, this is when we first got married. And, you know, most people move into their first house. You got married, so the money you got from your weddings, the down payment on the house and all that stuff. So when you move in, we didn't have, like, a whole lot of money. And we didn't have a TV. Like, man, we need to get a TV. We can get 0% interest at Best Buy. So I went out and bought a TV. Well, I just paid the minimum payment because I thought it was 0% interest. And I'm like, well, when the interest, like, you know, once the 12 months is up, then I'll pay this thing off. Well, I got it, the bill. And after they added all the interest, it was actually more than I paid for the TV. No. And the interest is still clicking away at 25%. I'm like, so I called them like, well, what's going on? Like, this was 0% interest. They're like, yeah, 0% interest if you pay it off within the 12 months. So all of that interest got thrown. So I learned the lesson the hard way. You know, we all yes, learn you lessons, did. you know, either, you know, most of it's by the hard way. But I learned a lesson the hard way that being in credit card debt isn't going to help you financially at all. It's putting you behind the eight ball to be successful with where you're trying to go. It does. And, you know, even with with inflation pushing prices up, one of the stats in this is 35 percent of people are saying they may apply for a retail credit card. And that's up from 29 percent. So. That's six percent more. So there's already a lot of people considering it, and if things are more expensive than they were a year ago or two years ago, well, now that credit card balance is going to be even higher. So if you can't afford the items with just the cash that you have, you can really uh, do some damage to your financial picture by sp spending money on things that are more expensive now at a revolving line of credit rate that they charge people. I think what you just said is enlightening. 6% more of the people are considering getting a credit card. It means they weren't even offered money for it. What do you they mean? Like they they, they, they haven't offer. seen an offer. They're just yeah. thinking about doing it. They're just it. thinking about think about it. If you're thinking about doing a credit card, why are you thinking about getting another credit card? Because well, you're out of money. Yeah, right. That's the only reason you're going to get another credit card. Nobody yes, wants another credit card. Yeah. When was the last time you met someone and you were at a party or you were at dinner like, man, I really want to go get this credit card? <laughs> no. I don't think I've ever talked with credit no. cards. When do they people. get the credit card? One of two reasons. There's an offer that they think is too good to refuse, which is the coffee mug or, you know, no interest. Or they're out of money. So then they have to get a credit card to make it work. I just got one in the mail that was offering me like 80,000 bonus points. Miles. I don't even know what the... 80,000 airline miles used to be a lot. I don't even think it'd get you a round trip ticket anymore. Yeah, so I started reading it to see what what is 80,000. That sounds like a lot. 
it was it's essentially one thousand dollars worth of value. Yeah, and if it's an airline ticket, that's a thousand dollars worth of full retail value that you get to use when they say you can use it. Yeah, because I, I have an airline's I, card that I've I had. stopped reading it and threw it away. Yeah, I don't know. Eighty thousand got my attention, but then a thousand dollars of value—that's not. It's not enough to wreck your financial your financial life. No, over. I'm not blowing it up over a thousand bucks. Well, hey Elias, I think this is a good show. Um, I think my final thoughts for this is: don't let credit cards and debt take over and consume your holiday shopping. I know we're all going to be out doing it soon. Just make responsible choices. Go out with a budget. Don't take the free credit card offers. With that said, do you have any closing remarks, Elias? Uh, just everyone have a good holiday season, and thank you for continuing to listen to our show. If you guys need any help with anything, you can go to btwellshow.com. Thanks for listening. Securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor, member FINRA SIPC. The opinions voiced in this show are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult with your attorney, accountant, and financial advisor or tax advisor prior to investing. All performance referenced is historical and is not a guarantee of future results. All indices are unmanaged and cannot be invested into directly. Premier Investments of Iowa Incorporated and LPL Financial do not provide tax advice. Please consult your tax professional.